Welcome to the Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors, also known as SWIRE. This podcast keeps SWIRE members up to date on what's new and happening in our organization. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. It is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. Not a member? We still encourage you to listen. Each week, we provide you with valuable information related to the real estate industry and Southwest Iowa. Welcome to this episode of the Swire Podcast. I'm Todd Studer, and in studio today, Amy Swoboda, Executive Officer for Swire, and also special guest today, Aaron Trescott of Guild Mortgage, joining us. Amy, let's begin with you. What's the latest at Swire? What's happening? Well, it's a little bit quiet right now. We're trying to keep things a little less active since uh, business is picking up for all of you. Um, we do have IAR summer meetings coming up June 5th and 6th, and that's in Okaboji at Brokers Bay Resort. And you can go on the iowarealtors.com to sign up for that. Is it too late for me to sign up? And can I go? Okaboji is one of the best places in the state. <laughs> well, it's probably not the best place in the state when you're in meetings all day. That's a good point. You know? Yeah, if you're stuck inside, you're not out with a line in the water or on the on the water in a boat. So right, right. It's just the same as being in your own living room, I guess. Um, well, today's guest is Erin Trescott, and she is a longtime affiliate of Swire. We appreciate that. And um, she has moved recently to a different mortgage company. Erin, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, what's on with you. Hey, guys. Uh, so I've recently moved to Guild Mortgage Company. They are one of the largest mortgage companies, and they can lend in 49 states. Super excited about that. But yes, I've been over here lending for over 20 years, I like to say now, Um, and recently went from a bank to this Guild Mortgage Company. They focus on just residential mortgage lending, which has been great, especially in the kind of crazy market that we've been in. And to just focus on mortgage is a great opportunity. So I recently, I think in December, I moved over there and uh, just recently opened an office over here in Council Bluffs at the Chamber of Commerce. So when you're down there getting your coffee or having a meeting, come by and say hi. Great. Sounds good. And so you've always been in the mortgage business? For the most part, yes. So um, I started my career in Chicago And I was an investment banker, but I had those big shoulder pads and I looked (laughs) like I was 12 years old trying to handle money. So um, came back home for family and uh, really got to know a couple of mortgage people and just got my foot in the door. And I've been with several different companies throughout the career, but, you know, it's always the same thing as residential mortgage lending. So I love what I do. Uh, I love the joy of homeownership. Uh, I love to bring, when I go to closings, I tell my buyers that they have to bring their happy dance with them. (laughs) So um, that's kind of my thing. And so we celebrate and have a great time with the joy of homeownership. Great. Well, today we're going to talk about, our topic is myth busters. We're going to go through some things, some myths and rumors and misinformation about um, mortgages that with all of your experience, you can kind of help us know if these are true or not, or how maybe how they've changed. Maybe they used to be true, but not anymore. Yes, for sure. So So, um, I was telling Aaron before, we uh, just got back from the legislative conference in Washington, D.C., and the FHA commissioner was there. And one of her myth busters was that um, FHA mortgages take a lot longer than regular mortgages. Yeah, that's definitely a myth. Uh, They're going to be the same. I feel like 
in the last couple of years, people have shied away from such things as the FHA and the VA and the USDA because the seller sometimes could be asked to do repairs. Uh, it does not take longer to do any of that stuff, uh, but that's the trend that it goes in. And I have found that if you offer the FHA, most of the time, there's really not any repairs. It's just that scare of, oh, if we have to repair something, it will be bad. So no, FHA is a great tool for um, getting a mortgage. If you can't do the conventional, if you want to put a smaller amount down, things like that. It's a great tool. Still can get things done in 30, 45 days. Important option. Yes. Okay. Um, borrowers with higher credit scores are being charged higher fees than those for lower credit scores as of May 1. This is also related to FHA. Oh, yes. So it's related to all of them. It is more the Fannie and Freddie. Fannie and Freddie are the ones that do the conventional loans. So they are the backbone of the um, securities. This has just recently come out and it's everywhere of mm -hmm. this myth is, oh, we have a great credit score. So now we're going to pay for those low credit scores or we're going to pay more. Are you kidding? I even saw one post that said for every credit score, like over 740, you're going to pay $40 towards more towards your mortgage to pay for those people that have bad credit. It's like, okay, where's those arbitrary numbers coming <laughs> from? Um, but basically how that works is the higher risk loans have higher fees. And so um, depending on your credit score level, the borrowers with higher credit scores are going to still pay lower fees than those with lower credit scores. As they see, you know, we go through it, we used to go 740 and above, kind of all got the same thing. But as you go 740 to 750, there might be a different pricing. 750 to 760, same thing. And as you go up there, it helps out. Um, I did price out when this came out on May 1st, I did price out the same scenario of a good credit score. I think it was like 730 and 20% down versus 5% down. And the initial pricing was about the same. But when I priced it after May 1, actually 5% down got them a better credit score or excuse me, a better interest rate. So the reasoning for that is because of things like mortgage insurance, it gives better security to the banks. And so that's why some of those have been in place to help with the security of the mortgage to hopefully stabilize everything so we don't have a big crash again. We don't want that. No, we definitely don't want that. No. So you mentioned about the 20% uh, down versus 5% down. Are borrowers that are putting down 20%, are they considered a lower credit risk than people who are putting down a 5% down payment? That's a tricky question. That's <laughs> another myth that, yes, if I have more down, you know, I have had clients that have said, hey, I have over 50% to put down. But if everything else is not in place, then that's what will happen is, you're still not going to be able to get it. So doing that 5% down, you're going to have, again, that mortgage insurance. And sometimes it's a, it is a better risk for the bank because they have that mortgage insurance. Most people out there pay that and they don't realize that that's benefiting them in the long run because it's giving them better opportunities. And if something would happen and they default on their loan, that bank is more secure that way too. 
That was another thing the FHA commissioner mentioned. She said that they are actually lowering their rates on mortgage mortgage insurance. They did. They did. Um, Already in place, but they have gone from 85 basis points to 55 basis points. And what that means is basically if it's a $100,000 loan, um, you're going to see that it comes down 30 basis points. So something like $85 a month is now $55 a month. So it's really, it's been helpful to do that. Um, as we've seen FHA rates and conventional rates kind of be the same now. It used to be that FHA rates or VA rates were a lot lower than conventional. And so that mortgage insurance, you know, kind of covered that and mm-hmm. equaled it out. So now they've brought that lower and rates are somewhat similar. Okay, and here's another one. Um, bridge loans are always the answer when they don't want to sell their current home first. Anybody who's Amen. had a house they're trying to sell and want to buy a new one, oh my gosh. Yes, I do. I have a lot of, um, my agent said, this is the way to go. And it may be, but most of the time it's not. Yeah, so bridge loans are okay, but you are still going to be in a position where you're taking out money you are still having that debt. And so with taking it out as a bridge loan, you have to do that while you're doing your other mortgage. And you have to calculate that into debt to income. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, debt to income is the problem with them keeping their home and then buying first versus other reasons. So that bridge loan may not be a solution because it's just going to add more debt on there. So and there's two ways to kind of do a bridge loan. Either you just kind of take out a second on that current home that they have. And with that, they will do an interest only payment. It's a short term loan, things like that. But then there's that interest only payment plus your first mortgage. Uh, The other option is rolling that first mortgage in and pulling money out for your down payment. Again, you're still going to have that payment. And so it doesn't always solve things even though, you know, your expert real estate agent is telling them, yes, this is the way to go always. So um, I try to be a mortgage advisor and help understand all the pieces of the finance side, the debt to income, the credit score, what they can afford versus what they want to afford. Do they want to have two house payments, things like that. So a new a home buyer really needs a good mortgage lender on their side to help them work through their options on these kind of things. They do. They do. I tell realtors that please use me as a partner, as a tool. Um, I recently had somebody say to me, I trust my real estate agent, so I'm trusting you. And that's what I want to be to the real estate agents. I want to be a partnership. You know, I'm not trying to take over the world, even though sometimes I say that. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I love working with my real estate partners because they know that their extension of themselves when they send somebody to me. So right now, houses are most, a lot of houses are selling very quickly to people with cash or they're pre-qualified or um, have some proof that they can afford that house when they put that offer in. Yeah. So let's go to some myth busters about that. Okay. Pre-qualification and pre-approval, are those the same thing? They are not. So some places, and this is not the same for everyone. So some places will just do a pre-qualification. I use that as a definition of they've done the application, they haven't submitted all their income and assets, but they've done the application, we've had credit pulled, and you can get a pre-qualification letter real quick. So a lot of times that's sufficient. Uh, If you have a 
say, sticky situation or income, you're not quite sure if we can count this or that, uh, we will send it in for a full pre-approval. A full pre-approval is getting income and assets and those type of things into us and then sending it to an underwriter to actually look at it. So that real person actually goes, okay, yes, here's where their overtime is. Here's what we can count. Here's what we can do. Um, I had one come in just yesterday. They're super excited because they have been at their job less than two years, but they wanted to count their overtime. It's the only way they were going to make it work. So we did verifications of employment, got their pay stubs, got everything, and now they're pre-approved. So that's kind of the difference between them. So pre-qualification is that application and credit. So if it's a slam dunk, great, go for it. But you can also get the pre-approval. Now, do they both run credit scores? They do. They do both run credit scores. Um, That's a key piece, Amy, when you're going through it. Uh, You know, some people are just like, oh, give me the interest rate and here's where I'm at. If you don't have that credit pool, you really are missing a big piece of the information for the application. So from what they can afford to what they want to afford to debts that are out there, maybe some things that are lingering they didn't know that were out there, stuff like that. So going with that, I do like to see people six months prior to them falling in love with the house. Doesn't happen very (laughs) often, but if you can get to someone that knows that they want to buy a house, it's great to get them with a lender to say, okay, let's pull a credit. Let's see where we're at and make a plan, you know, make a plan for your down payment, make a plan for your monthly payments that you want to afford and just make sure that it's doable for you. So I love working with first time home buyers, move up buyers, but if I can get them six months in advance, especially if they have lots of questions or credit, you know, items that they may need to correct. I remember I bought my first house and didn't know anything about credit scores at the time or pulling that. I don't think then you could even pull your own. But um, got to my closing the day before my closing and was told that I had some outstanding debt with Sears for $25 or something (laughs) from years before. Yeah. And then trying to, you know, solve that so quickly was terrifying. I wasn't going to get my house because of this. Yes, because of $25. Yes. And so it is. It's nice to have those checks and go through that. Again, like even the pre-qualification part is just pulling the main credit. When you go to the pre-approval part, you do look at some of those things. And unfortunately, you can't find everything until you have a house. Going through title searches some things, Mm -hmm. the appraisal searches some things, things like that. But the sooner that you know something like that, the better off. So you're not freaking out over $25 and not getting your home (laughs) for that. So a credit report uh, myth or rumor is that if you pull, if you have your credit report pulled, that's going to lower your credit score. Oh, yes. That's a, that's a big, I'd say myth kind of. Uh, So if you do a hard credit on your credit score, sometimes it can pull it down a couple of points. Uh, They change the regulation quite a few years ago that says you can shop around for a mortgage. So people are always afraid to get a second opinion because they're, oh, my score is going to drop crazy. Well, it's supposed to kind of be the same pull, so to speak. Um, Something else that we can do at Guild is we actually can do a soft pull. So you say that you have that six-month-out buyer. Uh, We can do a soft pull on their credit. does not affect their credit score, and it does not trigger all the salesmen to buy your stuff too. And with that, I love it because then we can say, okay, yes, here's our six month plan. So they're very accurate credit reports, just doing the soft pull. Um, When you're ready to go and get that house, we do have to pull a hard inquiry. Okay. Now rates are fluctuating a little bit. 
Um, there well. is a uh, buyer's mortgage rate is locked at the time of pre-qualification. Is that true? Or does a person wait until the rates come down a quarter of a percent? <laughs> yeah. So I like to counsel my buyers to tell them, I give the scenarios kind of like the stock market. So you have to have a house in place and you have to have a closing date because all of those interest rates are time bound. And so you want to make sure you have enough time that you lock it in. And when you lock it in, it's kind of like the stocks. If it goes up, you're still locked in. If it goes down, you're still locked in. So you are locked into that interest rate for when you go for it. As a pre-qualification, I have had it before where they're like, oh, I thought we were locked in at this. There are some lock and shop options out there. Some of the banks, some of the mortgage companies do them, but they're rare because a lot of times it gives you maybe 60 days to find that house and then you lose that lock, something like that. So it's out there to be able to do the lock and shop is what they call it. But most of the time when you're just pre-qualifying, you're letting that interest rate just just ride until you've got your dream home in place and know when you're going to close on it. Um, how about credit scores? If your buyer has less than a 640 or so credit score, um, is there anything that can be done? Some people think there's nothing that can be done if your score is that low. Is that true? Well, uh, there are some companies that can go below that. So 640 is a nice general across the board a lot of people use. Uh, our bond loans are a first-time homebuyer like IFA, things like that. They do require a certain credit score of 640, but there are options out there. I don't want to speak it too loud, but as low as 540, if they, if the whole application is good, they can qualify for an FHA if it comes back as an approval. So we can we can play with numbers there so you're not dead in the water. And a lot of people will use like Credit Karma and things like that to watch your credit scores. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that too is don't use that as a marker of like if you get credit pulled or if you got a collection or something like that. But our scores tend to be different than the Credit Karma out there. Higher or lower? Uh, I don't know, Amy. We'll stick with yes on that one. <laughs> different. Different. <laughs> different. <laughs> um, how about down payment funds? Um, there's a myth that IFA and the bond loan programs are always the best way to go for buyers for help with down payment funds. Yes. So the IFA program is a bond program through the state. Great program. Uh, you can use it for first-time homebuyers and actually subsequent homebuyers. So you can do both of those. But sometimes people get in the mindset that, oh, that'll take care of everything for me. Well, with the IFA program, they have grants up to $2,500. And then they have a loan up to 5% of the purchase price. So a lot of times you're going to have a down payment of 3 to 5% at a minimum. So you're still coming in with money. Um, sometimes it's a benefit. Sometimes it's not. Again, it goes back to having that mortgage professional that's more of an advisor and says, okay, yep, I can get you that grant, but you're going to save a lot more money if you go this direction. So it's not always the best option. It's a great option out there, but not always the best. So plan ahead. Get yes. all this figured out before you go looking for a house. Come see me. Yes. For sure. So have your agent <laughs> talk with a, a mortgage professional. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to share with our agents that um, would help their their buyers? You know, I tell the agents that I work with, just let me get permission to call them. Um, a lot of times it's like pulling off the Band-Aid to try to do credit. 
And if I can have permission to call them directly, it's a little bit softer. Um, hey, here's what we can do. Okay, you think your credit's not so good? Let's let's work on a soft pull and just kind of go through it. So to be able to chat with them versus, hey, call this person and just throw a couple cards at them, you develop that trust by saying, hey, this person, can I have them call you? They'll go over credit and things like that. So I find that a much softer approach to go to credit. Buying a house and dealing with your financials is a very emotional process, very personal process. And so, you know, having that is being able to soft touch or whatever and call them and go through it all and just give them the comfort of, even though we may not be able to buy now, we could buy later or yes, let's get it done now. So just having that, I think. And then come see me at my new office, (laughs) get Jay's coffee and then uh, head into the back and come visit me. Well, I think a myth is that uh, mortgage lenders are scary, that it's hard to get a mortgage. It's really, it's it's a frightening experience. It's going to be a horrible experience. Um, But I think you've just uh, helped us prove that that is not true. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for your time. I'm so glad I'm not scary. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love that you say that at the same time, because I've had where some mortgage lenders or online lenders, they're just transactional. Hey, here's what you can do. Or nope, you can't do it. So I'm going to move on. I love to be personal. You know, let's let's have a lender for life. Let's have a client for life. Let's have a friend that you can always go to. A success story I had recently is that I had a couple that used me 12 years ago, and they were just now looking to get a new house. And so they used me again just recently. So it's really nice to have that. And I... I mean, I don't think I'm too scary, Amy, but, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Just like with agents, that repeat business is is a, a testament to the good work you do. It is. It is. And I, you know, I'm 100% referral-based just like my realtor partners. And I am 100% referral as well. So I'm not sitting in a bank branch. I'm not sitting in a location where I can just, you know, feed people leads and things like that. I am more like, let me be your tool. Let me be an extension of you to help get more deals done. Amy Swoboda, Aaron Trescott, thank you both for being a part of the Swire podcast today. And also we thank you for listening to this episode. A new episode will be out again next week. Until next time, take care.